How's everybody doing? I, a couple weeks ago, uh, something just poured out of me about worship, and it was an invitation. It was an invitation that we're going to the deep these next two weeks. I believe God's house will be filled with people that worship, that want him. A lot of people want God to do something. They want him to answer prayer. They want him to give them a spouse. They want breakthrough, but very few just want him. Those things aren't bad, but there's a higher order. They want him. And we're going to look at the temple of David, which was very different from the tabernacle of Moses and the temple of Solomon. It says in Isaiah 16, 5, a throne will be established in loving kindness and a judge will sit on it in faithfulness in the tent of David. Why David? Moses had the sacrifices. Solomon had the Ark of the Covenant and he had the sacrifices. Moses had the sacrifices and the Ark of the Covenant, but the tent of David simply had the Ark of the Covenant with no divider. It was just the presence and the people. It was, at the time, unheard of. And that's God's desire, that there's no division between his presence and his people. So during David's time, the ark, the Philistines took the ark. Israel took the ark, and like we do, we think because we say in the name of Jesus, and we think because God, God's going to answer our prayers, but they lost the battle because they didn't do it right. They, they, they dishonored his presence. It was Eli's priest, Eli's son, so... The Philistines took the ark, but God cursed them wherever they went, so finally they just put it into this place. So you had the tabernacle of Moses, and then you had the ark over here, and then you had David in Jerusalem. But the first thing David did when he was in Jerusalem, he says, I want the ark. See, David was a worshiper. Before he won any battles, he worshiped. Before he fought Goliath, he worshiped. And God is desiring those that worship him in spirit and true, true worshipers. I'm not talking about people that worship. I'm talking about worshipers. There's a huge difference. It's not one day a week. Worship is a lifestyle. David, before he was even in the ministry, he was a worshiper in the field. Psalms meant to be sung. Now, I'm not going to sing the psalms today. And there's many benefits to worship, but I'm not going to get into those benefits because if you worship for benefits, that's not worship. But there's many benefits, and one of them is creativity. And I'll just give you one. And when you say creativity, instantly you think painting and singing. There's creative ways God can solve problems in your life. There's creative ways he can have you love someone that's very difficult. Now, I'm not saying next week come up here with an easel and start painting. Because they'll be like, what are you doing? Well, John says I'm creative. Pastor Allen says you're messy. You need to step down. <laughs> I mean, you think one drop of coffee is bad. Try one drop of paint. <laughs> so this message I was not expecting. I had another message, and it can tie in together, but... This message just bubbled out of me, and I got 15 pages of notes. We're not going to get all to the notes, and it's simply the temple of David because everything points to Jesus. David was a type and shadow of Jesus. He was not Jesus. He was a type and shadow of Jesus. And the first thing David did when he became king, he says, I want the ark. It's funny he didn't bring the sacrifices. And so while David had the presence, they're still making sacrifices in Gibeon with no presence. And for the church for far too long, we've been through the motions with no presence. And I want to be very clear about something. I'm not talk when I say the church, I'm not talking about this church. It may include you, it may not. It may include us, it may not. But I believe this is a corporate word because we're going to go to the deep. We're going to go to the deep, but in order to go to the deep, there's a different atmosphere. At Mount Everest, if they drop me off on the top of Mount Everest, I would die in an hour because the atmosphere is different. We're going to a place where the glory of God is and the atmosphere is different. And what you do in the natural down here, you cannot do up here. You will simply die. And the truth of the matter is, I need to die. The biggest obstacle to the will of God is the will of man. It is not Satan. And the biggest obstacle to true worship is I. It's the way I feel. It's the way I think. And it's what I want. 
Now, you got to know Satan moved his place. The Bible talks about his body made music, and God set him in a place. And God has a set place for you to worship. But before Satan physically moved, he moved in his heart. He moved in his heart. And here's the problem. I'm going to say something controversial. The problem was not that Satan looked at his beauty. The problem was he looked at himself without God. He said, I am beautiful instead of saying, you made me beautiful. And so when you look at yourself and how you feel and what you think, all of a sudden worship has a low priority. But David's life, it always had a high priority. And God is looking. Why did he not say the tabernacle of Moses was their sacrifice and there was a division? Why didn't he say the temple of Solomon that was beautiful, it had the sacrifices and it had the ark? He said, I'm going to rebuild the tent of David. It was a tent and it was the ark and there was no separation and there was music and singing and psalms and prophecy 24 hours a day, seven days a week. David peeled. I heard someone estimate over 40,000 musicians. I don't know how many musicians. But where does, and I started thinking about this message, where does God dwell? God visits many places. He touches many lives. But where does he dwell? Where he is wanted. Where he is wanted. It's not a prayer. He doesn't dwell there. I remember Lena was saying, you know, Bianca in her worship is beautiful. And let me just be something. This message is not how to worship. This is not how to worship. This is not some people like this, some people like this. I can have my hands raised and my mind's on a zillion other things. God sees the heart. This is not how to worship. This is when we make a priority. When people get saved, just like Angie's wonderful testimony, they'll say prayer, they'll say the word, and they say church. Friends, we need to add worship to that because God is looking for places to dwell in. And I'll tell you what a lot, I'll tell a lot of people, they say, John, the, you know, Jesus can come back t- today, uh, the signs of the time, and I simply say, no, he cannot. Jesus cannot come back today. And they say about this sign, this sign, this sign, you can't stop at those signs. The Bible says this, this go- the gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a witness to all nations. There's people that do not have the Bible in their language yet. The gospel is not in all nations. So as Christians, we cannot stop on this sign, this sign, and this sign. And I'm talking about worship today because God desires people that, that he wants to dwell in. He's looking for places across the earth so he can be a testimony to the nations. And he wants to dwell in where he's welcome and where he's wanted, not where he's just asked to do one or two things. It doesn't mean those things are wrong, but we need to get above that place. And when we start entering in his worship, all of a sudden what you're asking for becomes low. And some of the things you're asking for, because here's the truth. We heard Angie's wonderful testimony. If the only thing God ever did was save you, you have reason to worship him forever. So do you want him if he never answered another prayer? Do we really want him? Are we really desperate for him? Because in the glory can be scary. And when David moved the ark, he didn't move it right. And Uzzah touched it, and he died. And David says, look, I need to go back. And how do they move this thing? Okay, you move it with poles. And he, there's, a, there's a way for his presence. I just don't go on top of Mount Everest. So I have to prepare. He, says, Sanct-. he told the priests, sanctify yourselves. The glory of God, the presence of God. This is not some ten- The Philistines fan that out. The Israel's just to bring his presence, just to bring his victory. In the name of Jesus, I declare, my wife's going to look like a model. No, that doesn't work. Not saying she's not. But so for far too long, the church has went through the motions with no presence. The ark was not even there, and the priest made the sacrifice. But the first thing David did, did says, I want his presence with me. And when Moses said, show me your glory, God says, there's a place by me on the rock. That rock is Christ. And so he's saying to us, Epicenter, there's a place by me on the rock. Everything points to Jesus. You can't get away from it. On the Ark of the Covenant, you see the angels. They're bowing down, and both angels' wings are touching, and they're both looking at the mercy seat, waiting for the blood. They're waiting for the blood. 
And once a year, the high priest would bring the blood, but that blood would dry. But then when Jesus gave his blood, the veil was ripped. And that was always God's desire from the Holy of Holies to his people was that there's no separation. Satan moved from his place, and we moved from our place. And he moved in his heart before he moved physically. And he said, I will be like the Most High. And he moved from his place of worship. And far too many Christians have moved from their place of worship because they looked at I. What I think, what I feel, what I want. I know it's hard for some people. See, the, here's the, I talked talk to Pastor Allen about this. The problem is I go, people fill up with the world all week. And I'm not saying sin. I'm saying they listen to this news channel. They listen to this radio. And when they come in here, it can be a shock to the system because your spirit wants them, but I does not want it. It's too long. I don't want this. But God wants a people that worship throughout the week and come in here ready to continue in corporate worship. Because corporate worship will not do for you individually. And there's an atmosphere he wants to set. I remember uh, Lena says, I walk by where Bianca sits and I can feel the anointing. There's a saturation because of the way she worships. And I'm not saying you got to worship like Bianca. I'm saying there's a heart for worship. And so Solomon had the temple in beauty. Moses had the tabernacle with the sacrifices. But David had the presence in his tent. And David says, I'm going to build you a house. And then David says, D David says, you know, look at me. I'm in this house of cedar. There's God in the tent. He goes, I'm going to build you a house. Nathan goes, go do what's in your heart. He'll do like a lot of us. You know, if you're successful and blessed. And before Nathan could leave, he goes, go turn around and say, David, you will not build me a house. He, in fact, God told David, I will build you a house. It says that in Scripture. A lot of people don't know that. I will build you a house. God never told David Solomon's going to build the temple. He says, one of your sons, he meant Christ. It's a spiritual temple, the temple of David. And so people want to build the temple of Solomon again. It's in prophecy, but God's desire says a throne will be established in loving kindness and a judge will sit on it in faithfulness in the tent of David. The tent, the presence was no separation. So what does that mean? That Jesus, no separation, us, the people. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they worshiped. They worshiped because David was a worshiper. And so God is looking for places because, you know, you can look at certain churches and you can see what it's established on. Some churches are established on teaching, certain t teachers, and it's a built around this teacher. And I, I love them. I listen to them. And this church is built around this. God is looking for places where it's built around his presence, where he saturates the ground, where people can walk in and fill it. And I believe that's an invitation for the epicenter to go, I've located you. It's one of the places I want to demonstrate myself in, in the glory. And it's the worship. I'm going to read you what Evan Roberts said. Uh, during the great revival of the Welsh Revival. He says, the revival is born along billowing waves of sacred song. It is the singing, not the preaching, that is the instrument, which is most efficacious in striking the hearts of men. Efficacious, successful, I looked it up. Successful in producing a desired or intended result. I'm a preacher. It's not, I, it's not that we want bad preaching, okay? But we want to exalt Christ. See, this preaching is not about the sermon. It's about Christ. I, I feel very unqualified, uh, inadequate to bring this message. It's heavy on me because I can feel, some of it I can feel the pain and I can see the value in it. But when you climb Mount Everest, you do not just climb Mount Everest. You prepare. So if we're going to pray for the glory of God, we're going to prepare ourselves going, okay, I must die because I cannot live on this level. And what I've been doing naturally down here, I cannot survive on this level. And even people that ascent Mount Everest without oxygen, they have to get down quick. God doesn't want us to ascend quick so we can get down quick. He wants us to stay with him. Therefore, he's going to give us a different atmosphere, but we need to breathe it in throughout the week. It's not just on Sundays. If the only time you worship God on Sunday, you're not a worshiper. You just worship. That's the truth. If you read the Psalms, David, he had a lot of problems. David went through a lot. He ran from Saul for years, but he still worshipped. Before he had any victory, he still worshipped. Before he was king, when they gave him a promise, he still worshipped. See, will we worship God before the promise, not just after, because that's praise. 
It's, and we worship God for who he is. It's when we really want him, it's who he is, not just what he has done for us. But when we look at Christ, we see all the reasons. That's why worship goes forever. You just, it's another revelation. It's another revelation. It's another revelation. And so worship is a response to the revelation of God. It is not your initiation. It's not because you're such a good person or you love God so much. It's because your response, he's put that in your heart to worship God. And I'm not saying how that's going to look for you. I'm just saying God is looking across the face of the earth. It's not, we're not the only place, and he wants to choose places to dwell in. We just don't want him for revival. We want him for him. And he is going to have a people that worship and just want him, not just want him to do things. Yes, signs and wonders. Yes, miracles. Yes, souls. But in the dry times, we still worship. When it hurts, we still worship. Why? Because he's always worthy of worship. He never loses his worthiness of worship. And you will prioritize what's important to you. Period. You make time for what's important to you. Period. There's no other way. Some people prioritize their kids over their spouse. They make time for them. That's just facts. People prioritize, you know, eating out over this. Some people rather eat out and have nice clothes. I'm not saying that's wrong. That's probably where I lean, you know. But when we prioritize God, sometimes we got to say no to this, to no to that, because we need to ascent here. And I cannot go in this atmosphere and do what I've been doing and breathe what I've been breathing and think what I've been thinking and survive at that atmosphere. Yes, he touches a lot of people, but he dwells in very few places. And it was a tent with the ark with no separation. They couldn't touch the ark, but there they were singing before the presence of God. I remember I worked for a contractor and I'm going to talk about something about, atm- about atmospheres. We sang about it. I worked for a contractor in New Mexico. We he would work for an insurance company, and there was roofing. And so when the hailstorm came, we go to all these houses. We went to all these big, big houses. And then finally, you know, these houses that have these insurance and, you know, middle, middle houses, all middle class, and then some high-end cl- houses. And you sit in there, and you see the people. And then we pull up to this little house. And so when I say little house, I mean little house. It was probably 600 square feet, and I'm being, I'm being uh, it's not an apartment, it's a house, and I'm being very uh, evangelistic. It wasn't paved. It was a dirt road. It was just a simple house like the tent of David. And when I walk in, whew, the presence of God was thick. I almost started crying. We weren't there for a church service. We were there for a roof. And I sit down, and I don't say a word. And if I'm quiet, friends, it's God. And there's just an older man there. And there wasn't a mat in front of the door that said Jesus. It wasn't a sign that says me and my house were served the Lord. It was in the atmosphere. It wasn't something he said. It was in the atmosphere. It wasn't just a word. It wasn't a shirt. It wasn't a necklace. It was in the atmosphere. It was thick. Why? Because God dwells where he is wanted. And that couple wanted him. And they weren't a preacher. They weren't a pastor. And they weren't rich. Just like when Jesus was born. Joseph and Mary were poor. And so there I was at the table, wanting to weep, holding it back. But the Ark of the Covenant was in the atmosphere. There was no Christian music playing. There was no Christian thing on TV. I look around, there's no crosses, there's nothing, but I knew he was a holy man. I said nothing. I just sat there wanting to weep. My friend didn't feel a thing. Friends, God can be in the atmosphere, and there's some that sense him and there's some that don't. And we don't go by feelings, we go by faith. But when he says, I want to change the atmosphere, we walk in and say, God, you want to change the atmosphere in this place. You want to saturate the ground, not just where Bianca sits. When someone walks through the door, they feel the presence of God. They don't come here because the preaching's good. They don't come here because the CD series. They come because they knew the Ark of the Covenant is in this place. And so there I sat. And I'm looking, looking, looking. I go, I know, I know. And finally I see some magazine by his phone, and I recognize that magazine. I knew he was a Christian. I just get in the truck, and I go, he's a holy man. So God doesn't care about the clothes or the nationality or where you were born. Do you want him? 
He dwells where you want him. He will touch many people, and he invites many people, but he dwells where he's wanted. He's just like you. You've been to someone's house and not feel welcome? They give you the food. Things are nice, but you don't feel welcome. There's many places where God doesn't feel welcome. They sing about him, but there's no ark. They talk about him, but there's no ark. And this is just not about church, friends. This is about your house. You can have the ark of the covenant. You can have Jesus in your house. It's not about filling him every day, but I'm just saying, God does not look for the rich. He doesn't look for the poor. He looks for the hearts, those that want him. Because he, he says, with your mouths you call out, call out, but your heart is far, far from me. God sees the heart. So there Satan was, still covering, still worshiping with his words, but not his heart. His heart already moved. And so many Christians move from their place of worship when they turn to the eye without looking. See, you can bring God into any situation. There's nothing, looking, there's nothing wrong with looking at your life, this situation, that situation, but you bring God into it. Because if you don't bring God into it, you'll either be self-conscious or self-conceited. Self is still at the center. He needs to be at the center. And so I want to read a scripture in Acts, because when I started re- reading the temple of, of, when I started studying the temple of David, and there was no separation and that God never told him to build a temple, he said, Solomon, he says, one of your sons, he says, I will build you a temple, and his throne will be forever. He was not talking about Solomon. He was talking about Jesus. The only throne that is forever is Jesus. And so when he has reestablished the tabernacle of David, he was talking about his presence with no division. And so when Jesus died, the veil was ripped. The separation was ripped. So he brought it back to the tabernacle of David. He brought it back where there is no separation. And we don't come to a God that we can't touch or doesn't touch us. Now he touches us because of Christ. But we cannot do it just because of us. I feel God because I'm so special. I prayed all week. No, because Jesus paid the way. I listen to Christian music. I do this. I do those. All those things I'm not saying are bad things, but I'm saying that we need to recognize you cannot enter his presence without recognizing it's Jesus who paved the way. Therefore, we worship. It'll always be. It's never about you, but it includes you. When we get to heaven, we're going to be around the throne, and all David did was enter into what heaven's been doing for thousands of years, 24-7. He just entered into what heaven's doing. Jesus says, I do what my Father's doing. I say what he's saying. Actually, it means that. It's not I say what he says. I'm saying what he's saying. What God's doing, I'm doing. So we enter in and say, God, what is he doing on the earth? He's looking for places to dwell, to put his presence, to be a testimony to the nations. Because a lot of people have rejected who they think is God, but it is not God. But he's going to give them an opportunity. He's going to pour his spirit out. And then He's going to say, do you want me? Some will say yes. Some will say no. But his house will be full of worshipers. Jesus gave a parable about a banquet. We talk about salvation. But I'm telling you, it also applies to worship. The invitations went out and the excuses came in. I'm busy. I'm this. I'm that. Worship takes time. And all the excuses. And he got mad. He says, go to the highways and byways. God's voice is looking for people that truly want him. And some of them don't know yet because they're not awake. Uh, Just last couple months, and you guys know something about me. I walk fast, talk fast. I train people at work. I'm, I remember one lady, she was following me, and I go, here's this office, here's this, but introduce, and then I'm into another, tr- another office, and I turn around, she's about 20 feet back, probably 30. She's like this. She's all, man, you walk fast. I go, I'm sorry. One of the things that I've been doing, and this is just me, this is not, this is not follow John, is i just been getting quiet before God. You know how hard that was for me at first? It's not listening to music. It's not praying. And the word prayer, as soon as we say prayer, we think it means ask. But so I like what Angie said, talking to God. Because the majority of prayer is talking to God. It's not asking. God says, I already know those things you asked for. And even before you answer. And so 
And so I started getting quiet. And then I'm at work, and I go, I just can't wait to get home and get quiet before God. Why? Because my spirit wanted it. My flesh didn't know. And so when I started living in that atmosphere, I didn't know, oh, I was created for this atmosphere. I was created to sit in his presence. Years ago, I got a word, you're a worshiper at heart. And I thought, no, you don't know me, lady. It's hard for me. It was hard for me. So this isn't like, oh, let's all follow John. No, this is let's all follow Jesus. And the angels are looking for the blood on the mercy seat. In the mercy seat, Jesus already put his blood. Therefore, it gives you entrance. And the, and the separation, when we say veil, the separation was ripped. So now we are back into the tabernacle of David where God's presence is released. And so the book of Acts, when, see, you've got to understand the book of Acts, they didn't have a New Testament. They didn't have the letters of Paul. They were working things out. And so when the Gentiles got saved, they're like, okay, you need to get circumcised. That was a big deal. There was no, like, you know, there wasn't Galatians written. There wasn't this. So they had a big, you know, conversation. It was the Jerusalem Council. So the apostles and the elders, they could look, this is all the things the Gentiles, God's doing with the Gentiles. And so everybody spoke, and then this is what James says. And then he, he says, men and, men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared, which is Peter, how God at first visited the Gentiles to take him out of a people for his name. And with the words of the prophets agreed, just as it is written. And look at the scripture he uses. After this, I will return and rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and I will rebuild its ruins. And I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does all these things. It's spiritual. So there was a release of God's presence on everybody because in, in Moses' tabernacle, the law says if you're blemished, if you have this defigured, if you're illegitimate, you cannot enter, but not David. And see, so, so many times we've, there's been a legitimate people, we felt blemished, we felt this, but in the tabernacle of David, there's no separation. Even the Gentiles are welcome. See, you're illegitimate, he makes you legitimate. You have a blemish, he fixes it. You have a, a limp in your walk, unless he gave it to you, he changes it. So he makes you clean. It's not what we do that makes us clean, it's him who makes us clean. And since he makes us clean, then we walk in that cleanliness. We don't go, oh, I can just sin. No, friends, you don't understand the presence of God. You don't understand the glory. You don't understand the price he paid. Because I don't, not fully. So here it is. He uses that scripture. You're going to restore the temple of David? It wasn't a physical temple he was building. It was a spiritual temple. It was a release of his presence. And so God wants to release his presence in this place where he actually dwells. And see, we've had some amazing services, but there's more. You know, for a lot of mountain climbers, they climb Mount Everest and they think this is it. Actually, if you're a mountain climber, you know Mount Everest is not the hardest mountain to climb. That's not it. It's called K2. And K2 is actually higher from the ground to the mountain. It's more, it's, it's more steps for you. And I was listening to this woman mountain climber. She was the fastest woman mountain climber on K2 and Everest. And she goes, oh, yeah, K2 is harder. And she gave all the reasons. Thousands have climbed Everest. And I'm not saying Everest is easy. Thousands have climbed. Hundreds have climbed K2. For every four people that climb K2, one die. That try. No one has ever ascended it in the winter. And I'm just saying there's another place. Everett has gotten so commercial. Uh, a couple years ago, there was a line waiting for the mountain to, to get to the top. Because so many people have traveled there. Now they have the ropes. They have tea houses. And this woman was saying, no, there's no tea houses in K2. Where God wants to take us, there's no places that's comfortable to your flesh. Everest, they have tea houses. Everest, Sherpers will carry the way. Everest, Sherpers, they'll be like, 
You can climb Everest if you have enough training and you have the right people. K2, no. So God wants us to take us to K2. There's another mountain that we get to ascend to, and it's not Everest. It's K2. And K2, in Pakistan, just getting there is harder. There's a glacier. Amen? So God wants us. I'm going to ask Courtney and Chris to come up because I believe God wants to set an atmosphere. Look, you think John's just pressing you on worship? Friends, listen, when that came out of me a couple weeks ago, this is kind of like the teaching that's breaking it down. I'm not trying to get us into worship. If you think that, you're going to miss it. God is looking for a place to dwell in a greater way, even than the past where he's been here, he's visited, he's touched. It's not like anything we've seen. And worship makes him the center, not a personality. And if you know anything about Pastor Allen's heart and the people's heart, it's not to look at us and there's a change. It's Jesus. It's the Ark of the Covenant. It's Jesus. It's his presence. It's Jesus that changes the atmosphere. So when I walked in that house and I literally felt the atmosphere, it was thick. That's what God wants for us. And so we've been to Everest, and we've taken the pictures. I mean, there were so many people waiting in line. They were saying, hurry up to get to Everest, but you'll never see that in K2. There's another part in God's presence where very few go because it takes a bigger sacrifice. Death, self dies. In the glory of God, self dies. When you face God, self dies. And people were afraid. See, David was afraid of the ark at first, and then he, he got mad. He was like mad. He, killed, he was afraid. But then when he saw God bless Uzzah, he brought it in. He was, no longer, he was no longer afraid. We don't need to be afraid of his glory. Yourself does. Your flesh does. But at this atmosphere, you cannot breathe and think and say and talk about and watch what you've been doing on this atmosphere. There's more. There's a greater place in God. So, Father, I thank you today for the introduction of the more. And just like I visited that little man's house, it was just 600 square feet. It was simple. It was a dirt road. It wasn't paved, but you were there. Because you were dwelling where you were wanted. And so, Father, I thank you. We want you. We want you. We want this to be a place where we exalt your son, where we honor your son, the tabernacle of David. We're not looking for Solomon. We're not looking to go back to Moses where the sacrifices were. We're not looking to go back to Moses to what we did. I need to wash. I need to clean. I need to burn the altar. We're looking for the tabernacle of David where Jesus paid the way. There's no separation. So, Father, I thank you. When people are going to come in, they're going to feel there's no separation. Where Moses says you can't enter because you're lame or the blind. God says they can't enter here. David says you can't. Moses said, if you're illegitimate, you can't enter because it was the law. He was given the instruction of God. And it was just to show your own worthiness doesn't enter in. So, Father, we recognize it's not our hearts that bring us entrance. It's the blood where the angels are looking for the Ark of the Covenant. It's the blood of Christ that has fallen on the Ark of the Covenant. And they opened the lid in one town and 50,000 men were died because God says, don't open it. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. But with Christ, we can touch his heart, and he can touch back, and he brings us in as a response. So I thank you, Jesus. This is a place that you've said, and it was an invitation. And the last two weeks have been an invitation. Yes, we've been on Mount Everest, but there's K2. Self will die. What I think, there was, there was Lucifer in the presence of God. Beautiful. He was in his presence. He felt his presence, but then he started looking at self. God, help us be people that just don't look at, we don't look at ourselves without you. Well, if we look at our dirtiness, we bring you along so you can clean it. If we look at our ignorance, we can bring it along so you can give us wisdom. We invite you, God, when we look at ourselves. So the low won't feel too low and the high won't feel too high. We will see ourselves as you see, sons and daughters. And the Father is looking for the true worshipers 
in spirit and truth, in spirit not of the flesh, in truth, what they say when they say we praise you, Jesus, we mean it. In spirit and truth, God, and I thank you you found a place, this place, and you've marked us, God, that you want to come even in a greater way, God. So I thank you, Lord, for all the things you've done in the past, all the things in Moses is the tabernacle of Moses that pointed to Christ. God, we thank you for, but I thank you there's more. There's another atmosphere. There's another saturation. There's another, there is another level, God, that we know that when we're looking at base camp and we're climbing the mountain, it is the mountain of Christ. For you have not come, I'll read from Hebrews, for you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burn with fire and to blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and voice of words. You've not come to that mountain so that those who heard it begged and the word should not be spoken to them anymore for they could not inquire that was commanded. If such a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. This is Hebrews. But you have come to Mount Zion where David put the ark. And you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. So, Lord, I thank you for dwelling with your people, God. We don't want a visitation, Lord. We don't want just to touch. We don't want to change. But I thank you, Lord. Your sound is going out, and you're seeking those that want to worship you in spirit and truth. You're seeking for families and people and children that want you, God, not just want you to change a situation, not just want you to give a breakthrough, not just want you to give a spouse or finances. Yes, those things are good and important, but we want you above all else. If he never answers another prayer, God, we still want you, Lord. You're worthy of our worship just for saving us alone, God. So we worship you today, Lord. We worship Worship you. We want to put worship and because when you say you elevate worship, you're elevating Jesus, God. Yes, we thank you for the word. Yes, we thank you for talking to you, God, but we don't want to miss worship. And so David says, I'm going to be the king. And if I'm going to lead these people, I need his presence. So wherever you go, you need his presence. He said, Bring me the presence. He didn't ask for the tabernacle of Moses. He asked for the ark. And he built a tent. And he made no separation. And he brought the worshipers in, the singers and the Levites. Friends, when you got saved, he says, You are a priest and a king. Therefore, you are a Levite. And the the Levites were allowed to enter in. So, Lord, I thank you. We are allowed to enter in his presence. When you received Christ, that gave you entrance. The veil was ripped. It's not what you do. It's who you are. You're his son. You're his daughter. Christ made you worthy to be able to raise your hands. Christ made you worthy to be able to worship in spirit and truth. God, we don't want to get sidetracked with side issues or little things. How can this be? It's like God's saying, I dwell where I'm wanted. Not where I'm just asked to do a task or a thing. Yes. And sometimes we start there. And there's nothing wrong with starting there, friends, but we don't want to end there. He's done so many things. So I thank you, Jesus, for resting in this place. I thank you for pre your presence, Jesus, for saturating this place in a greater way. I thank you, Jesus, for coming in and changing us and moving us from just worshiping to being worshipers Monday through Saturday. And, Lord, may we just continue that in corporate. May our individual worship be like incense. And on Sundays, the corporate worship comes out. May we elevate worship. If you think worship is just a warm-up for the sermon, friends, you do not know the word. And that is just the truth. Worship is not a, a warm-up for the sermon. Worship is not just even a warm-up for heaven. Worship invites God to come in. When you say we praise you, let's just stand right now a little bit. And I'm not trying to work things up, but here's the thing. We need to set, set 
We need to set ourselves back to that place where we, God forgive us for moving that place of worship like Satan. When we looked at ourselves, our circumstances, what we want, what we feel, what we think, I thank you for we're setting ourselves back up to that place of worship, God. And I thank you this is a place you saw, God. I didn't choose this message, it just came out. I didn't, I didn't choose that word, it just came out. Not because I'm special. I feel so inadequate to bring this because this is not where I'm at, but this is where he wants us to enter together. So I thank you Jesus for worship going to another level. I thank you for the other atmosphere changing. I thank you that we're going to breathe and think different God because at this level we cannot function at that level. We can you cannot bring your flesh up here. It'll die. If they drop you off an Everest, you won't even survive an hour. Your flesh won't die. So God, I thank you for killing our flesh so our spirit can lie. And I'm not talking in the in the physical friends. I'm talking about every low level thing you thought. Every low level thing you thought about yourself. I can't enter because of this blemish. I can't enter because of this past. I can't enter because this or that. Jesus, I thank you for making us worthy to be able to lift our hands and praise you from everlasting to everlasting. He makes you worthy. He's washed you. He's changed you. He's cleansed you. It's Jesus. And worship by the Holy Spirit invites Jesus in. And when you exalt the Son, the Father gets happy and he dances and he changes. So, Lord, I thank you for changing the atmosphere in this place from one level to another, God. Not because we're so awesome, God, because we want to exalt you and put you in your rightful place. The Father is seeking, Jesus said, and He's still seeking. I'll say He's still seeking those who worship in spirit and truth. So, Father, I thank you that we want to be worshipers. Rocks aren't going to take our place. Another church isn't going to take our place. There's a world's not going to deceive us, Father. We put your Son back with no separation. No separation. No separation. The sin consciousness, I thank you for watch it, washing us, God, of even thing that we repent from that still comes up. I thank you for washing us, God, of that separation that you can't, you're not. Nina talked about increasing our vision. Father, I thank you for increasing our vision for worship. That we prepare ourselves like the priests of the Old Testament to come in and to exalt you to a place that we have not put you in our hearts before. I thank you it's a heart issue. See, David, he says, see, David was a worshiper at heart. Solomon just built what David told him to build. And people just do what other people do. But no, we want to be worshipers at heart. David was a worshiper at heart. It was natural for him because that's who he was. Before he was, he, they said, I know a man that can play, that can drive out demons. He didn't say, I know a man that can go learn an instrument to drive out demons. He was already doing it in the natural. When he was in the sheep, he was worshiping. When he's running from Saul, he was still worshiping. And if you read the Psalms, those are songs he wrote. And out of the worship, out of the tabernacle of David came new songs. It was songs and hymns, but there's also new songs. So, Lord, the Bible says new songs, the spontaneous worship. So, Lord, I thank you for new songs coming out of this place, out of our mouths, out of our lives. May our life be a song. God. I thank you, Jesus, for spontaneous songs that David, Lord, I thank you that Pastor Allen is like a David, and out of him is going to flow new songs. And if you read Pastor Allen, when he did the tabernacle, the song he wrote, I thank you, new songs are going to come out of your mouth, not just the songs that you've sung. Yes, yes, because I found a place, I found a man that's going to flow with me, that's going to bring me to that high place. So, Lord, I thank you for Pastor Allen, even new songs now in the name of Jesus being birthed in him and out of him. 
him. I thank you you found a David. You brought him from Arkansas. He says, is there any? And all the sons, all the sons now, and all the sons. And he says, no, there's one more. And they, and they, and they in the past, and they rose their head, and they said, I'm it, I'm it, I'm it. And he says, no. And you've chosen him in the natural. This one's tall. This one's gifted. This one brings people. And God says, no, no, no. I'm bringing a man from Arkansas, my David, because he's a man after my own heart. And, and David, he took, David, you can't build Solomon's temple because there's too much bloodshed. He didn't say any bloodshed. He was too much bloodshed. You shed blood in the natural because the only blood I'm shed, I'm going to be Christ. So Lord, I thank you, Pastor Allen, you brought him here. And I thank you for even, you're going to take us into a deeper place. Pastor Allen, you are going to lead us into a higher place, a deeper place, another atmosphere. New songs are going to come out. People are going to come depressed, leave free. People are going to come in lust, leave clean. Because of the atmosphere, the atmosphere, the atmosphere. There was no plaque on the wall when I walked in that man's house. There was no me in my house. There was nothing Christian. No, no, no. I had to look, look, look. But the atmosphere, Lord, change the atmosphere just like on K2, the atmosphere. There's less oxygen. There's less oxygen. you got to train yourselves. You have to be experienced in that. And I know it's a shock for some people that are so full of the world to come in here and worship shocks their senses. But God, you will gather a people that worship you. The Father is seeking. He's seeking worshipers in spirit and truth. God, I thank you for this place, God. Jesus will be exalted. Not a personality. Not, a, not even a, a CD series. Jesus, you're exalted in this place. I thank you. I thank you for it's good. We've been on Everest, but God says there's K2. Thousands have climbed Everest. Less than 350 have climbed K2. It's for the few, but if you talk toward the hardcore mountaineers, they go, no, it's not Everest. That's the mountain. It's K2. So Lord, I thank you. You're taking us to another place, another atmosphere. K2 is in a different location. I thank you, Jesus. You're even spiritually a different location. I thank you for opening the doors and breaking the veil and moving us forward and changing our lives. I thank you for breathing. God, I thank you for breathing on us to be worshipers, God. Not just that we worship, to be worshipers, God. Monday through Saturday and then Sunday we bring it in. And sometimes we're going to even have night services in the future. We're going to bring it in. And this will be a house of worshipers, God. I thank you. Oh, no, not being known as the rich, not being known as the poor, not being known as this, but we will be a house of worshipers. They worship there. They exalt Christ there. They put him on the throne there. They No, it's Jesus. It's about Jesus there. They sing songs to him. They don't time. There's nowhere it says if it's convenient. It's not a place of convenience. If you want a place of convenience, don't go there. If you want your flesh to be happy, don't climb Mount Everest. Don't get a K2. You're, 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 no, just go on that little mountain hole over there. You can for 45 minutes, 30 minutes. Yeah, then you're out. No, this is not a place of convenience. The, he didn't say the Father is looking for those that want to be don't want to be inconvenienced. So Lord, I thank you. Inconvenience us throughout the week. Father, on us throughout the week, God. Pull us away throughout the week, God. I thank you. You're not a God of convenience. You're not a God that does the flesh. And so there they were, the sacrifices. There they were, Eli's sons, the priests. He never accepted them. He, they made the sacrifices. He says, you dishonor me. So they brought the ark. They thought they were going to win just because they had the ark. It's not about just having the ark and having his presence. It's about being where he is. And he wants to be here. God says, I want to find places. I want to dwell in that want me. So Father, I thank you. We want you.